Hello, and welcome to the Stupid Sequels Podcast, where we find truly terrible movies and give them all the attention they don't deserve. Each episode, we'll discuss exactly what made such a horrible sequel, from casting to budget to just plain bad writing. While we all love a great movie, there's something just a little more fun about watching a seriously stupid sequel. Now, while there are plenty of awful sequels out there, we have a few guidelines about the kind of movies we'll be reviewing here. We're talking about direct-to-video, made-for-TV, never-appeared-in-a-theater sequels. The ones the studios gave up on before they even started. This week, my guest is The Diva, and we will be discussing Charlotte's Web 2, Wilbur's Great Adventure, the sequel to Charlotte's Web. How you doing, Diva? Doing all right. Yay, I'm so happy we got this together. Uh, now, for those of you who don't know, the diva is from one of my very favorite YouTube channels, uh, Musical Hell. She knows musicals, and she knows very, very bad movies. So this seemed like a perfect movie for her to review with me. <laughs> I know bad musicals specifically. Yes. Uh, you have reviewed uh, some horrendous musicals like Xanadu, uh, like uh, Paint Your Wagon, uh glitter i think is the worst thing i have done so far by a huge margin if you don't fall in love by psychically writing the same song at the same time is it even love yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> it's so terrible um so we decided to review charlotte's web 2 which i did not know was a thing until about two or three months ago and it came out all the way in 2003 so thank god this movie has been lost to the ages because you shouldn't have to suffer through it but it is free on amazon prime if you do want to do that to yourself for whatever reason and why would you or why wouldn't you <laughs> i have some masochist fans so here we go um just for comparison the original that came out in 1973 got a 76 on rotten tomatoes while the sequel only got a 47 which i feel is way too high uh yes i also believe uh, and correct me if i'm wrong with this the first one actually had music by uh the famous sherman brothers of mary poppins and uh chitty chitty bang bang and a lot of other stuff yes it's crazy looking at the creative team for the original movie it it seems like it almost was made by Disney. It was made by Paramount, um, released, and then the second one was released by Hanna-Barbera, which I believe is like now a subset of Paramount. Uh, but the director of the original was uh, Charles Nichols, who did Pinocchio and Winnie the Pooh, um, and Iowa Takamoto, who did Cinderella and Lady and the Tramp and Sleeping Beauty. So they had a very Disney-heavy team. Yeah. And of course you had uh the great Debbie Reynolds as Charlotte oh. in that movie. So So incredible. She did the role for free. Oh, she did, did she? I did free. not know that. She loved Charlotte's web so much that when they approached her, they're like, We know we don't have the budget for you, but we'd love it. And she's like, Oh no, I love E. B. White. I'll do it. Oh, uh, the original novel came out in nineteen fifty-two. There we go. It is. I will say, I think it's, you know, probably one of the greatest uh, children's chapter books ever written. Um, it's just very simple and beautiful. And I remember my teacher reading it to me way back in first grade. And it was the first time I ever cried at a book. It was, you know, oh. it was the first time I real, really realized what literature could do. And it's so it's got a very special place in my heart, obviously. And then we have this sequel. Yeah, it was a children's book that didn't shy away from, like, animals die for us to eat, and death is inevitable, and you just have to kind of deal with that. And you're like, right. thank you for not talking down to me, like, and you really appreciated it. 
Um, I read this, mm-hmm. I was doing some research on the original and I read this thing and it was like an essay by E.B. White. And he's like, why I wrote Charlotte's Web. And he was like on vacation on upstate New York and there was a spider outside his window that like spun a web every day. And he was like fascinated by it. And then one day it spun an egg sack, but his vacation was about to end and he didn't want to lose his spiders. So he took a razor blade and he cut the egg sack away and he took it with him in a candy box and he put it on his dresser. And three weeks later, hundreds of baby spiders were all over his dresser, spinning webs, and he lived with them for about three days. And then he asked the cleaning lady to come take care of them. I'm like, what? Okay. The exact opposite of how I thought Charlotte's end. What? (laughs) You stole baby spiders and then killed them? What? I think having hundreds of little baby spiders running around would um, definitely lose its appeal after a few days but you did it you brought them in (laughs) you asked for it i don't know uh but yes oh dear god the sequel um so the director is mario peluso who did uh secret of nim 2 so he's used to oh lovely uh, i yeah not great sequels my cases (laughs) and stripperella which is an actual movie made by stan lee that i don't care to research any further than its title um, I vaguely remember, I vaguely remember seeing, I thought it was a series actually, or maybe it was a movie. I don't know. I, I remember vaguely have, have a vague memory of the character and it's exactly as what you think it is and exactly as bad as you think it is. Yeah. Uh, the, the voice actors aside from weirdly Amanda Bynes as one of Charlotte's daughters is not bad. Um, we have Charlie Adler who is Templeton. He's also the voice of, uh, Buster Bunny on the Tiny Toons. Uh, we have Andy McAfee, who's Sarah in all the Land Before Time sequels. There are 14 of them, by the way. Dear God. Um, all of them on Netflix. Uh, Maria Bamford is another one of the daughters. Um, Harrison Chad is young Tarzan. Um, and we have someone who seems to be in almost every animated sequel we do, which is Frank Welker. The man does everything. Of course he does. <laughs> He's uh he does all of the lion roars for the Lion King because he did them better than the actual animals, which is just hilarious. <laughs> I think he's actually the only returning cast member of the Aladdin movie that's out right now. He does the voices for Abu and I think Raja as well. Yeah, he always like follows up for sequels, no matter how shitty. If it's like, oh, oh, he does he does the voice of the dog in all the Beauty and the Beast sequels. The, the, the footrest <laughs> yeah, but- dog. He's like, no, no, I'm back. Uh, he's the voice of Fred and Scooby. He's insane. Yeah, you gotta admit, nice work if you can get it. I mean, the man's probably never been unemployed more than a short period in his life, so. No, voice actors have such longevity, and I admire it the more I do this podcast. (laughs) Because it is not an easy job talking. You think it would be. It's not, and I spent... As, you know, doing all those animal sounds and being as versatile as he is, I mean, obviously, he's extremely talented, so. Very much so. Uh, yes, and the music is done by the Sherman Brothers. There's only six songs, uh, but I feel like they all fit in the story very well. The musical is so sweet, it's almost saccharine, but I love it. Mm-hmm. It's just so adorable. Um, and the man who yeah. did the music for the sequel is Michael Tavera, who did all 14 Land Before Time sequels and the American Tale sequel. So he, he has his uh. niche as well and <laughs> works solidly. Um, uh, yeah. E.B. White famously hated the movie like hated it uh he purposely didn't sell it to disney because he didn't want it to become disneyfied and he's like every five minutes the plot's interrupted so someone can sing a song 
And right. my beautiful story was turned into a barbershop quartet for the Sherman brothers. I'm like, it was a really <laughs> great barbershop quartet. I don't know. I liked it. Yeah. But uh, here we go, diving into the sequel, uh, which opens with a weirdly sad flashback that does not happen in the book or movie. Uh, right. So it's a confusing place to open your movie with a flashback that doesn't exist in any universe except um, 80 minutes later in your own movie. Right. And right away, you know, I think it's I think it feels weird to have a sequel named for a character who, you know, very famously died in the original story. Yes. And and I will talk about how they deal with Charlotte's death in the sequel, which I'm like, you're doing away with a really important part of the movie. But OK. Right. Um, so we were focusing on. Oh, so the opening line is this like a weird, like ethereal voiceover. And it's like Wilbur, we assume because we don't, haven't met him yet, and we don't see him yet. It's just a voiceover in black saying, why'd you do this for me, Charlotte? And Charlotte, we're assuming, says, because you're my friend, and friendship is a tremendous thing. I, I think okay. there were similar lines to that in the book, um, but yeah. But just coming in cold to that is very odd. Right. Um, so it's a completely different animation style from the sequel, uh, from the original, rather. I mean, I would say, like, the original is watercolors, and this is, like, rose art markers. That's a very good way of putting it. It lacks the same softness of the original. It just seems, like, technically badly drawn. Like, every human has, like, perfect red circle cheeks, and, like, I don't, yeah. it, it just seems, like, poorly animated. Like, not just an ugly style, but badly done. I don't know. Could be preference. Cheap. Um, I would say cheap. Cheap. There we go. That's the operative word. So we're meeting uh, Charlotte's three daughters who are Nellie, um, Ariadne, and Joy, who all have tiny haircuts. Yeah. Tiny little spider haircuts. <laughs> so you can tell them Arania. apart because they are three Arania spiders. Actually Arania actually is the name of the middle one. Thank you. I but, yeah. butcher her um, name. Let's see, if, let's see if I remember this. Uh, Joy, um, ironically, is like the sarcastic cynic of the group. Let's see. And was which one was the Daredevil? Was that Nellie? That was Nellie. Okay. And then Arania. I think Arania was like the cheerful one who couldn't spin a web. Yeah. Which was never resolved, poor thing. It wasn't. No. Except I thought she would end, be like, when... and in the end, she spun a web. Yeah. It, except at the end, you know, well, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but, you know, she manages just fine. So. With no incident, with no mention of it. Um, right. So we meet. We meet Tem. Um, so Nellie is a uh, not Nellie. Uh, oh yes, Nellie is the little daredevil. Nelly. And she's deciding. Nellie is but Nellie bungee jumps. So, I mean, less than three minutes in, we have a bungee jumping spider. So you know where exactly, um, you know where we are at as far as the emotional and mental level of this particular script. <laughs> and she goes like catapulting into his food trough and is fully underwater, which is a thing that spiders can't do. And like pops up giggling. I'm like. Okay, so the mortality of these spiders is not really in question. Good to know. <laughs> yeah. And I gotta say, the design of them is very weird. If you notice, they have eight legs, and then they also have two arms. Yes, so they're <laughs> they're not arachnids. They're some new hybrid spider that Charlotte's created, so good <laughs> exactly. job, girl. Um, but all of, the, all of the animals are drawn weirdly human-like. Like, all of the animals have tiny little haircuts or, like, weirdly human features. 
Yeah, what we were saying earlier is, you know, the thing about the um, uh, book and the original cartoon is that um, the animals, you know, apart from the fact that they did talk to each other and, you know, could write in webs and stuff, but they generally, you know, behaved and acted or looked very much like animals. I mean, they had the lifespans of animals. Learning to talk. Yeah. Was a focus of the movie is like Wilbur being like, no, 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 be dignified, learn to speak English, and he's like, I can do that. Um, but no, these were like, no, we're tiny animals with wigs and haircuts and I swear clothing for a couple of them, and we right. meet Templeton the rat, who is no Paul Lind because no one can ever top Paul Lind. Oh Templeton my goodness, I, uh, <sighs> I really had an issue with Templeton in this because first off, Paul Lind was just perfect for the character, and second, uh, the main thing with Templeton is now he's got like four babies and you know he's just like always you know always trying to pawn them off on somebody because he doesn't want to deal with them yeah, he is a browbeaten father he's utterly miserable which is and it's just like it's not yeah, templeton it's like the worst idea for the character exactly um fun little fact about the original so they cast someone else as the voice of templeton and they're like you want a real like scrawny rat voice and the guy couldn't get it and couldn't get it and couldn't get it and Agnes Moorhead, who plays the goose, is like, why don't you just hire Paul Lind? We work together on Bewitched. And they were like, why didn't we hire Paul Lind? Shit! And they just called him. And like, but didn't even have him audition. They're like, Paul Lind, you sound like a rat. Want to do it? And he was like, sure. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, is, you know, Templeton is, you know, a very fascinating character because, you know, theoretically he's, you know, associated with the protagonists, but he's definitely not a heroic character. He's shifty. He's self-centered. He only helped the other characters out of self-interest. And he was just basically this nasty, gluttonous sneak. And at one point, E.B. White says, you know, he would actually kill one of the baby goslings if he thought he could get away with it. So, yeah, scolding dad is not the route that you see for this character. No, and just the mother is not mentioned around anything. Just he has four kids, which he did at the end of the original with a female rat we'd never seen before. But he just has yeah. four kids. He is a single dad trying to make it work and it's not working. Yeah. And I would rather I would, you know, that's a throwaway gag. I'd rather they forget it than actually go with this, you know, yeah. this the, go the way they did with it. Definitely. And we we kind of meet all the baby animals because it's spring in the farm. There's all these new animals being born, blah, 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 they blah, say blah. They say there's action all over the barn, which, you know, it's kind of like, okay, so what you're telling me is that these animals are having sex. <laughs> they've, they've been fucking, like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> fact of life. Welcome to Charlotte's Web. Um, things die, and also things are created. <laughs> so yeah, <cool>. yeah. Um, <laughs> so all of the animals are talking, and... It's such a small detail, but it bugs me, especially watching them back to back is like the goose's like stutter speech patterns are off. It's like when someone else tries to imitate Porky Pig, it's like, that's not how he yeah. sounds. Like, exactly. Like, and it's, and it's the way she's written in the book as well is the kind of like stuttery, like repeating thing. And in this one, she like does it for her first four words of a speech and then kind of forgets about it, just talks normally. And I'm like, that's such an easy yeah. thing to do. That's just such a low effort thing to give up on. There's a new uh, animal on the farm, which is causing quite a commotion. There's a new baby lamb, but he is literally the black sheep of the farm. Yeah. And my notes here, are, I say, are the sheep racist? Because that's what I'm getting out of this. Racist sheep. Yeah. And even the farmer's like, us? Cool. Black sheep. We like those. And the animal's like, uh-uh. He's dirty and wrong. I'm like, Jesus. Like, 
I can't imagine that, you know, a black sheep has, you know, never been seen on this farm before. I mean, you know, they're not common, but they're not, you know, extremely rare either. Yeah, I got into a deep, like, meta thing in my head where, like, Zuckerman's very excited because he's like, I can sell him for a lot because black wool is really rare. And, like, he, you know, and I'm like, do the other animals, like, think that they're bad because they leave the farm so quickly? And it's like, no, they're actually very valuable. You don't understand. But I thought there was going to be a moment of that. Like, no, I'm not right. worse than you. I'm better than you. But it never came around to that. I got way yeah. deeper into the movie than they cared to. Um <laughs> But they call him like a disgrace to the flock. They call him a loser. I'm like, Jesus. Um, yeah. But yeah, Zuckerman's happy to have a black sheep. And yeah, we have to mention the sheep's name is Cardigan. Really. Honestly, cute. I loved it. <laughs> this is my brother, Throw. <laughs> this is my brother, Shrug. This is my sister, <laughs> Throw Pillow. <laughs> oh, I now want sheep and I want to name them after knitting terms. Um, this is Pearl. This knit is one, knit. Pearl this is yarn two. Over. <laughs> uh, this one's called Frog. We don't like him. Um, that joke only made sense to about four knitters out there. You're welcome. Um, so Wilbur's like, well, I was the runt of my, you know, of my litter. I don't know if it's the appropriate name for pigs. So I'll be friends with this this weirdo sheep. And they sing a song called "It's Not So Hard to Be a Pig." Because he's going to teach the lamb how to be a pig. Yeah, which is basically, you know, getting dirty and eating eating slop and doing gross stuff. Yes. It, you get to roll around in the mud and snort and kick. Kicking is very important as a pig, we learn. Yeah. Kicking things over with your hind legs. So it's, yeah, and it's really not very memorable. I couldn't, I couldn't whistle it. I couldn't whistle or how many of these songs, you know, if you paid me. It's just like this boring vaudeville number, which, you know, like every other, you know, boring vaudeville number in existence. And it's just one of those songs that's like, we're going to try to sing musical theater, but we're going to try to rhyme like pop songs, like lazily and barely. And it's like, it doesn't right. work like that. You can't, you can't do that. You either have to rhyme like a musical or you have to make it a pop song and then we'll let you get away with more. Um, and every song is like that. It just, oh, it just right. nails on a chalkboard. Um, so they go looking for some food, Cardigan and Wilbur, and Fern shows up because Fern is the spunky little redhead of this novel, and God, she drove me crazy this whole movie. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, see, again, and another thing, um, which was, you know, what part of the bittersweetness of the original novel is that Fern eventually grows out of going to visit the farm and sitting with the animals because, you know, she's getting older and she's discovering boys, and, you know, that's kind of how life goes. And instead, she's yeah. just, yeah, instead, she's just back here, you know, messing around with the animals. Again. Tomatoes. No character development. A plot line went, which went absolutely nowhere. Um, so she's come because she wants to grow a tomato for the state fair, and she needs her secret ingredient, which is Wilbur's shit. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> she's not kidding. Yeah. Wilbur's manure apparently has magic to has magic tomato growing properties that we have not heard of. Some pig with some shit. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the whole tomato plot line. I'm so sorry. Um, or that's the most. Yeah, she get she she grows a she grows a tomato. It goes to the fair. She wins first first prize. That is the entire limit of this stupid tomato plot line. She wins a tomato contest against a boy who is unnamed and who she doesn't seem to know. And it's a very big success and victory for her. I don't know. Um, and 
Yeah, and it's never mentioned again. It's a stu- It's the stupidest and most pointless subplot ever. I honestly think it was to make try to get this movie to, to 80 minutes, which it didn't even. It's 75 minutes still, even with the stupid tomato plot. Mm-hmm. So uh, Wilbur's sniffing up mushrooms and, you know, Cardigan's trying to eat like a pig. And he's like, I just wish I was like the other lambs. Um, no mention of the spider babies for a good 20 minutes. Um, and... Uh, finally, we get back to their plot line after Fern goes on her tomato monologue. Um, and so uh, uh, Arania is trying to spin a web, but it's too loose and holy and it doesn't stick in the right places and she sticks to it and she's just very bad at making webs. Um, and she can't catch anything. Again, you know, I'm kind of running into the whole, you know, anim- you know, more naturalistic animals of the original. And I keep thinking, so why isn't she dead? Yeah. And it's like a joke that like her sisters will like catch a fly and be like, I'll let you have a leg if I'm full. So it's not like, come on, we'll all eat together. It's like, <laughs> you're going to starve. Like, yeah. And she's she's just can't get it done. Um, And also it's suddenly fall now it's like six months past between the first scene and this scene and like none of the animals grow a bit which you know six months especially in six months like you know is practically a lifetime for a spider for you know the first year of a farm animal's life it's pretty significant a lot of growth going yeah, on and like the fact that so. wilbur is you know still a pretty small pig in relation to the humans in this movie considering how big pigs actually get uh Cardigan the lamb stays especially exactly since the same he size. does nothing but eat. No, right. nothing but eat and play and roll around in mud. Um, so Templeton is very excited because fall means that the fair is coming. Usually falls fairs are in the summer, but okay. Um, and he's very excited um, yeah. because the smorgasbord of food that's going to be at the fair. I uh, also my favorite song from the original is Templeton's smorgasbord song. Um, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. so cute. I love it so much. I watched it twice this week. Um, and when they remade the movie in 2006, which thankfully flopped, they had uh, focus groups of adults and kids because they were like, well, we want adults for kind of like a comparison of how it, how the old one used to be and kids for her, it's brand new for them. And every single adult's like, no, no, no. You got to make the Templeton smorgasbord part better. Like that's everyone's favorite yeah. part. You got to right. have that brat go crazy. Um, but he is not taking his kids with him to the fair. Don't know how he can leave them behind, but he is. And Wilbur's very sad because the fair reminds him of Charlotte. Um, right. And we get a little flashback of Charlotte and she has a tiny blonde bob or like shag cut going on. It's weird. (laughs) And it it drives me crazy. The original, she kind of did have this in the original. She kind of did have this suggestion of like a haircut around her you know, face, but again, it wasn't distracting. Yeah. It looked like, you know, it might be a part of, you know, the, whatever the hairs are or whatever on a spider's yeah, head are. And, and uh, Charlotte's kids are saying, you know, tell us about our mom and, you know, why you hate the fair, or why the fair makes you sad. And he's like, oh, well, your mom knew she was sick when she spun her egg sack. And, you know, I had Templeton cut the egg sack down and then uh, we never saw Charlotte again. I'm like, no, 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 no. You very clearly saw Charlotte die. That's very important. <laughs> yeah, in the movie, he does. He's there, and she just sings and drops off, and then he calls her name, and he she doesn't respond. Yeah. And it's very sad. It's even sadder in the book, where he specifically says Charlotte was alone when she was dead. Yeah. So, 
Um, but it's very much like, and then Charlotte was gone and we never saw her again. I'm like, cause she died. Say the word dead or died. I'm, I'm begging you. No, they're not gonna. Okay. She just had the fair living it up, kids. She abandoned you. Um, yeah. Charlotte has gone to a nice farm somewhere nicer than this <laughs> one. Yes. Um, so Zuckerman has made, you know, we have the famous pig crate for Wilbur, but we have a famous lamb crate for Cardigan. And I'm like, is he famous? For being <laughs> apparently because nobody in this county in Maine or wherever has seen a black sheep before. It is the South. They don't see much blackness down there. Um, sorry. What? Who said that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think it is actually supposed to be New England, but the point still stands. <laughs> um, so Templeton hides in Willie's crate and Nellie decides she's coming to the fair, too, because this was where her mother died and she wants to go see it. And also she's a daredevil. And Amanda Bynes, which is just heartbreaking in retrospect. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Tomatoes whole subplot. She wins the tomato thing. There we go. At the end. Um, Wilbur is yeah. wearing his medal from last year. And Nellie loves the noise and the crowd. Templeton smells the food. He's losing his mind. Uh, Cardigan's freaked out from all the noise and the sound. And he's like, no, they're looking at you because they like you. They think you're cool. You know, that's why they stare at me. And... Yeah, um, Cardigan's social anxiety is kind of a bit of a come down for a plot yeah. point, as opposed to will Wilbur survive the winter? Yeah, and all of the all of the people coming to see Wilbur at the fair, are like, what do you think the spider web will say this year? And Wilbur's like, oh shit, that's why I'm the famous pig. The spider webs, oh no, and he has watch out Wilbur the pig. He has this insane nightmare sequence. Which weirdly reminded me of like uh, you're a mean one Mr. Grinch like like they were trying to do the same creepy voice thing and there's giant forks and knives running around. Yeah I've got it's like the insane love child of Elephants on Parade, Oogie Boogie Song and Be Our Guest. Oh exactly that's what so it is. If... <laughs> yeah and it's hilariously awful. And again, this is a point that they just kind of drop. I mean, Wilbur, you know, it's, you know, it makes sense. You know, Wilbur was famous because of what Charlotte wrote in his web. Now Charlotte's not there anymore. What's going to happen to him? But it just kind of goes nowhere. Yeah, and because he desperately goes to Nellie and he's like, will you spin me a word in my, in your web? Like, and she's like, sure, I can figure it out. <laughs> What's the English language? How do I spell? <laughs> and she spins many many webs that all say nothing and right. no one seems to care and his fear is completely unfounded um but zuckerman has now sold cardigan to mr hirsch and oh god it's such sad bleeding oinking sounds as they're separated and fern's like they're friends and he's like they're <laughs> dumb animals they don't know what feelings are Jesus, Zuckerman. <laughs> Which, yeah. You know, like, you have to live on a farm. You have to kind of be cold about animals because you have to kill them and eat them. But, like, animals do miss each other. I know I know this to be true. Yeah. If you've ever separated two animals, they're upset when you do it. Yeah. I mean, I think even back when this was, you know, even back then, you know, they had an understanding that animals, you know, could feel, um, feel and, you know, understand things or had personalities at least yeah uh one thing that they said in the original movie which i'm just like yeah that always bugged me is when you first get the some pig web mr zuckerman's like wow we've got some pig and mrs zuckerman goes it feels like we've got some spider and the pig and he goes no 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 the spider web's talking <laughs> about the pig that's what's impressive i'm like 
Okay, so Mrs. Zuckerman gets it. Like, yeah, but it, yeah, but the spider wrote it. The spider is impressive. I don't know. Always bothered me as a kid. And I was like, yeah, Mrs. Zuckerman, you get it. Women never get credit for anything. Um, <laughs> so back at Zuckerman's, Wilbur's very, very sad because he's lost his one friend who he's known for a couple months. I don't know. And this is the this is the main plot that we're going with, which is that Wilbur wants to go to the Hirsch farm to see Cardigan and make sure he's not okay. To rescue him, not to bring him back, just check in and see if he's okay. That's his his whole plan. Right. Um, but no one knows the way to the Hirsch farm except for everyone. because uh, <laughs> he asks like yeah. eight different animals, Do you know how to get there? And they're like, Yes, all of us know how to get there. And he's like, This is complicated. I'm like, I don't just think you can't listen. Um, the goose knows the way, Templeton knows the way, <laughs> everyone knows the way. Um, Nellie decides she's going to come yeah. with and then her sisters decide they're going to come with because they need to be in two thirds of this movie I guess um, well we haven't seen them for like 20 minutes so no. and there's a whole little thing where like Wilbur's standing on his head because he's trying to think up a plan and he's like Charlotte always used to hang upside down when she was thinking up a plan I'm like that's a tiny bit funny in a way that a six year old would laugh which this movie is ostensibly for so <laughs> yeah okay funny the pig is upside down Years before the spider pig joke from Simpsons. So points. Um, <laughs> and they're like, this is going to be a big risk. It's going to be a big adventure. So let's go. And they go uh, off into the woods to, or not into the woods, into the cornfields yeah. that are very scary because cornfields are scary in every movie. Yeah. There's actually a neat little touch here where they've kind of like, you know, arranged the corn stalks so you can see scary faces in them, which is like the one, one the one thing that impressed me about the design of this movie is like, okay, that's that's kind of neat. Yeah, like spooky kernels. And then like they walk past a scarecrow and the scarecrow glove like grabs him, but it turns out it's Templeton in the glove. <laughs> Templeton yelled steamer. <laughs> um and he's like, I will help you find Hirsch Farm if you babysit my kids for a week. And then Wilbur gets <laughs> tangled in some brambles yeah. and he's like, okay, two, two more weeks. And so basically every time Wilbur needs help, he adds another week on. Um, yeah. About Which, you know, uh, childcare can be pretty, childcare can be pretty uh, prohibitively expensive. So on the farm. <laughs> uh, that kind of makes sense. But at the same time, you know, it's again, a bit of a come down from, you have to help Wilbur because if he gets slaughtered, there's not going to be any food in his trough and you're going to starve. Yeah, it's a, it's a real step down. Um, and so about three, two steps into the way of this, Wilbur keeps getting covered in various mud and dirt. I'm like, oh, I see what's happening. Because um, he gets like covered in a yeah. bramble. He falls through a bush. He gets covered in blackberries, honey, bark. And he now looks like a giant wild hog complete with tusks just sticking into his skin. If you need a plot point where your main character is improbably disguised as a wild boar, you probably don't have enough plot to sustain your no, movie. No, you don't. And that whole plot point does actually come to a head and has relevance later on. Uh, I learned more about wild pigs than I cared to in this movie because I Googled. I'm like, this seems stupid. Oh, that's right. Jesus. Um, <laughs> and uh, because as soon as he gets his final, you know, wild boar inning, he runs across the street and a car full of farmers see him and they're like, oh no, a wild hog. They're really bad for farms. I had one eat baby, a baby lamb on my farm. I'm like, I don't feel like wild hogs. Do they will eat lambs, goats, and baby deer, which is terrifying. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I mean, you know, wild boars, they can be pretty pretty scary so no, i just never pictured them as eating other mammals that's like deeply disturbing to me yeah 
I don't know. Like, oh, that's that's sad. Um, so they are terrified a feral pig will wreck their farm, crops, and livestock. So now everyone's gonna be looking on this wild hog, which is very clearly covered in leaves and blackberry juice, but okay. Uh, I, I'll yeah. give credit to these farmers because it's the dark and he ran across the road but other people see him in full daylight multiple times and no one's like that's clearly a pig covered in leaves um, so they come to Hirsch Farm <laughs> exactly. Cardigan's trying to be friends with the other pigs he's like I am a pig they're like you're a lamb and he's like I'm not I'm a pig um, and Wilbur tries to say hello to Cardigan but he looks like this big scary hog so Cardigan is terrified for four seconds and then it's resolved don't know why they bothered to do it then right um, and they play yeah. around a little bit, and we meet yet another new character whose plotline is very sad, Bessie the cow, who can only make sour milk. Um, yeah, which, again, you would think this would be something that the farmers would look into, because, you know, obviously, you know, it's a dairy farm, and they kind of need her to produce good milk, so... Or something that's resolved later on, like Arania's web spinning. Yeah. Like, oh, it's a thing I can't do, but now I can. No, she just has sour milk to the end of this movie. Yeah. Um, and I was like, is she is she sick? Is there something wrong with her? But no, it's just like she's just like happens to make sour milk. And they say because she has a sour disposition. Like, oh, she's a bitch, so her milk is sour. I'm like, okay. Um, which is like not how it works not at all. At all I mean, like if a cow is stressed, it'll produce like bad milk, but not just like because they're bitchy. Um, <laughs> right. So the cardigan's terrified because he's like, the farmer said he's going to kill me. He said he was going to spear me. And Wilbur's like, that sounds wrong. He goes, he said he's going to turn me into a sweater. And he goes, oh, shear you, you idiot. He's just going to give you a haircut. And he's right. like, I don't want a haircut. <laughs> like, like every little toddler when you first tell them you're going to cut their hair. It's the worst thing they've ever <laughs> exactly. heard of. I'd rather lose an right. arm than my bangs. No. Um, <laughs> and uh, so Bessie the cow is flicking flies off of her. And the spider children are catching them with gleefulness. Like, yay, we're going to eat for a week. And literally when they're being thrown at her, Arania can't catch a fly. And she's like, I'm useless. Right. Like, Kind of, girl. I mean, these were the three, like, quote-unquote, runts of Charlotte's litter. They were too small to fly away. So I guess they are supposed to be right. deficient children. But only Arania seems to be the <laughs> one who's having any trouble. Right. Thing. And now we get a new character, Farley the Fox. Oh, no, we got mention of him uh, yeah. early, early on. I didn't talk about him because he basically walks up to the farm, almost attacks the cardigan, but then doesn't. And we've forgotten about him until this point. Um, right. We're about like over halfway through the movie at yeah, this so point. So we better we better come back to him. And he sings the song "It's Good to Be Me," where he basically just turns into a mansplainer and talks about how he's smarter than everyone else. Like he literally quotes his IQ number. Uh, yeah. He says his IQ is 108, which I'm thinking, okay, 108 is low for a human, but this is a fox we're talking yes. about. Is I think that might be pretty smart yeah, for a fox. Yeah, he's like dog level. I mean, it's probably the smartest character in the entire movie, including the humans. At least his characterization and his plot pay off and make sense. I will give him that. Yeah. Um. So he, he, has, a, he has a crappy villain song, oh, though. You can judge a movie basically on their villain song. And if the villain song blows, then you're just like, well, why are we here then? <laughs> I honestly feel like exactly. I would have liked Frozen a lot more if they'd given Hans a villain song. Like, 
He has one in the stage version. He does. So. And I like I was like, literally do a dark reprise of Love is an Open Door. It, it's so easy. And it like, ooh, those lyrics that you thought were loving were actually menacing. Like, it's really easy. Just do it. Right. Do it in the minor key, Disney. Come on. Um, but no, like <laughs> I, I have to say, like a good, a good villain song, like Frollo, Ursula, Gaston, it makes way for a good right. movie. Right. It really does. Um, and this is an indication of how bad this movie is. Um so, um, sorry, I'm losing my place in my notes. Oh, yeah. so, so Farley Farley's Fox, doing what? Yeah, he's in the hen house. Fox he's in the doing hen what house. foxes do, which is you know raiding chicken coops, which has like this huge you know fox size gap in the chicken wire. So yes. it's like you know if you're not taking care of your chicken coop, you deserve to have a fox come in and you know raid <laughs> the silly thing. And Nellie says that Wilbur has to go be brave and save these chickens. And Wilbur is like, don't you remember my entire character arc is that I'm a coward. Okay. New character plot point. Wilbur is a coward. Apparently learning about, even though he just like went through the scary woods and the scary cornfields with very little incident. Okay. This is his mm -hmm. thing. Um, and so he goes charging into the hen house and Farley slips out the side, but Mrs. Hirsch comes in with her, tiny little Yorkie dog and she's like a wild boar killed my chickens <laughs> um and Wilbur hides himself in the barn and everyone comes flooding into the farm including the Zuckermans and the Hershes. Fern at this point has realized Wilbur is missing and is losing her mind um yeah, and Fern, you know, when she does this, first thing she does is she runs out to the field where um, Uncle Henry is, you know, uh, doing uh, farm stuff with his tractor and runs like runs through the field, runs through the corn or the wheat or whatever, right in front of his tractor. Dead in front of it. Like, I don't know what how good the brakes are on a tractor. I wouldn't have done that. I mean. I mean, you know, this is a kid who has grown up in like rural New England around farms and she does not have the common sense to not jump out in front of a moving farm equipment. An idiot. She's an absolute moron. Um, yeah. So they're like, Wilbur, everyone thinks you're this wild hog. You need to get out of her. He's like, I can't. I have to look out for Cardigan. But Cardigan has now been kidnapped by Farley the Fox. He's been taken away alive for some reason. Um, like, yeah. yeah, I only take living victims. The chicken is also waiting there with him. Oh no, the chicken's dead. Okay. Um, and everyone thinks that this wild hog has done it. He has taken the sheep away. And they're like, well, how are we gonna tell the farmers that we weren't the ones to do that that the wild pig didn't do it? That the wild pig is actually Wilbur and it's actually a fox took him away. And they're like, we know Charlotte's kids. Could you like summarize that in a quick paragraph in a web? <laughs> Or something, but yeah. Apart from the fact that Ariana can't write, web, can't make a web at all. You know, neither of them have Charlotte's gift for words. I can't remember. Did they ever explain how Charlotte knew how to write, or was ju that just no? The thing? And Charlotte very clearly didn't know how to spell because she would think of a word and be like, "Does anyone know how to spell it?" And then no one did, and then she spelled it right anyway, unless she had reference material, which she did later no. on. But no, her her kids are just like, "We'll figure it out," and they sing the most saccharine, sapid vapid song charlotte's kids yeah uh, which is yeah it's like yay we're amazing we can do this wow we can do anything because we are charlotte's kids and they're like weaving this giant intricate web through the whole song and you're like oh and at the end it's gonna pan out and be like 
in like fucking like Shakespearean script, like Doth was not the hog, it was a fox. And they pan back <laughs> and it's just a mess of spider webs that say nothing. And they're like, so we don't right. know how like words work. So we sing this really uplifting song about how we can do anything and we can't do shit. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Never mind. Um, it was a really heartwarming song for failure. <laughs> it's so <laughs> stupid. Oh my god. Yeah, meanwhile, Wilbur's hiding under the haystack um, in the cow barn, and the little Yorkie dog um, is sniffing around and, you know, try, you know, yapping at him. And I'm thinking, why is, why can't this dog talk? No. Every other animal in this movie can communicate with every other animal except this stupid dog. The other dogs that show up later. The do dogs are morons yeah. in this universe. Apparently. Dogs are idiots. Um, and... Oh, we get the weird, like, Bessie self-affirmation scene where she's just, like, in her stall chanting, yeah. sweet and creamy, white and frothy. Sweet and creamy, white and frothy. I'm like, didn't need this. Which just sounds wrong. <laughs> so wrong. Um, and she, and Mrs. Hirsch comes out, she milks Bessie, and the milk is sour. And the other cows laugh at her. Uh-huh. Uh, does her sour milk come into the plot later and help save the day? No. Um, she's just, no, she just makes sour milk, which everyone thinks is disgusting. Yeah. Cardigan tries to drink it and almost throws up. Templeton's like a rat wouldn't touch it. <laughs> Wilbur chugs the whole bucket. And it's like, love it. I'm like, what does this say about Wilbur? Is it supposed to be be okay. because he's covered in honey? So it tastes, I don't know. I'm trying to make sense of this movie. I don't know. Because he's, because he's a pig and he's like, he pigs like gross stuff. I don't know. Maybe. Um, so eventually button the dog that's the little annoying yorkie thing finds wilbur and starts chasing him around the yard and he gets his swat team in action like templeton drops a laundry basket on him and like the spiders like drop a <laughs> web on him and they're like no you can't get wilbur and wilbur goes running away into the woods as the other farmers show up and they think that uh the wild pig took cardigan and they have somehow not seen this fox that's just walking around the farm in broad daylight this whole movie um and so they go to yeah. release the hounds and Wilbur <laughs> almost faints, which is a thing he used to do in the first movie, but has not done up until this point in this movie. But he's like, I don't have time to faint. Right. I have to save Cardigan. And we jump back to the flashback that opened the movie of Charlotte saying, I did this because I was your friend. And he's like, wait, yeah. I know why I have to save Cardigan because he's my friend. I'm like, didn't you have this realization when you came to the farm to visit him? They have Julia Duffy doing the voice of Charlotte in this, which is a pretty sweet gig because she like does like three lines in flashback and that's it. And she gets top billing. Uh, and two of the lines are the same one. So it was probably one take. <laughs> right, she came in her exactly. PJ, she didn't finish her coffee and she was done for the day. Go Julia. Yeah. Um, so Wilbur's going to go off into the wilderness and find Cardigan and uh, Farley the Fox. And Bessie's going to come with them because she needs to be in this plot. And Templeton's going to have help because not because uh he's gonna get more child care or because he wants food but because foxes have killed half his family so this time it's personal okay uh-huh <laughs> hey john mcclain the rat how you doing um <laughs> this time it's personal um so fern is just wandering around yeah yeah and um you know uh her uncle's pretty chill about his prize pig going get disappearing. He's like, oh, he's just ran off. He'll be back. 
And no one's concerned yeah. with Fern wandering around looking for a lost pig when a new mysterious wild hog has showed up. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, two unrelated things. Like, <laughs> oh my God. Um, Yeah, but you'd think they'd be more concerned about that. I mean, you know, they'd be a, a wild boar took out Robert Baratheon in Game <laughs> of Thrones. Them things is dangerous. <laughs> Oh, we do have a redheaded, amazing little girl who's eventually going to rule everything. So maybe this well, is more Game yeah. of Thrones than we realize. And it only ends slightly better than Game of Thrones did. Oh, uh, oh. <laughs> let's not talk about it. Uh, Too sad. Yeah. Whole other podcast. Yeah, moving on. Meanwhile, um, you know, Farley still hasn't killed Cardigan because he's, you know, just drug drag him off to a ruined farm and gloating, you know. It's like at one point he says out farm. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. It and at one point he says, mm, mutton, the other white meat. Uh, and I'm like Yeah. Farley's whole attention towards Cardigan is vaguely pedophilic. It's weird. And um, I'm sorry, I know this is geared towards five-year-olds, but this is the way my mind works. I'm like, okay, first off, you know, mutton is more closer to red meat. And second, it's not mutton unless it's from an adult sheep, because otherwise it's lamb. And, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, I know the kids watching this don't care, but it pisses me off. Yes, it's like, come on, get your animal husbandry terms down. Um, and But like, literally like Cardigan's like on his back, like flailing his limbs and like Farley the Fox has like a hand in the center of his chest. I'm like, this is real creepy. Like, I don't know why they went. Yeah. Like, is he going to eat him or something else about to happen? Yeah. I mean, he could have. <laughs> He could have eaten the stupid lamb like half a dozen times in the time it takes the rescue squad. And to I have get no there. idea how Farley got this lamb, which is bigger than him, frankly, from Hirsch's farm all the way to Spooky Farm down into this foxhole. And like Cardigan's just like, I'm scared. I'm like, Cardigan, run the other way. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but he kicks him in the face with the infamous pig kick that Wilbur taught him because pigs are famous for kicking, apparently. Um, Wilbur sniffs them out yeah. and he can't fit down the and foxhole. Yeah, but Templeton goes in and creates a distraction. So Farley decides he's going to chase Templeton, this little scrawny rat, instead of the nice, big, well-fed lamb that he's already got cornered and, you know, ready to eat. Okay, apparently doesn't fight back except for a single kick. So, like, dude, pick bigger entree over the appetizer. Um, yeah. And they're like, we can't get down this hole. It's too sad. It's too terrible. And then we have this one weirdly, like, out of character line and uh i think it's aradia and nelly are like oh no what are we gonna do because they're about to get squished or something and the and joy just goes die a horrible death probably i'm like this seems <laughs> out of tone from the rest of okay. the movie but okay um, <laughs> so bessie kicks down the the doors to the fox house i don't somehow the foxhole is also the basement she of kicks the down out. the door or something yeah and so they go chasing around. Wilbur has Wilbur's wove a web. I don't know how else to say it. Um. Yeah, he basically takes like a bunch of uh, vines and, you know, weaves an impromptu snare because apparently he can do that now. Rigs it up in a tree to like snap. He's a very handy pig for something without fingers. Um, yeah. And he's like, hmm, Charlotte taught me something after all. Oh, he says, he's like, well, Charlotte's cousin told me she caught a fish in her web. What? When were you talking to Charlotte's cousins? Um, so I figured I could catch a fox in mine. 
interesting yeah it's uh it's a story that charlotte tells about one of her cousins i forget if it made it into the movie but it was in the book oh that's right um she wove a web yeah she weaves a web over a stream and eventually like caught a fish in it so some spiders do which is insane to me like i feel like no web should be able to hold that kind of weight spiders are magic um so (laughs) well you know what they say if you could actually you know make uh something with the tensile strength of spider silk you know you could pull a jet with it stronger than steel like stronger than iron spider silk is insane um no for real spiders are magic like (laughs) there's a reason charlotte's web is a magical thing they are um so now wilbur has to go back looking for cardigan but now the hounds have found him and they're chasing him into this ravine in the middle of the woods these woods have everything they have vines they have brambles they have cornfields they have 10 foot ravines it's a very (laughs) geologically (laughs) diverse space um exactly and this has maybe happened 10 seconds after they've caught farley in in the fox in the fox trap this is important in it coming up in a second and so the hounds chase him down into the ravine and he's hidden up on a ledge and Fern comes running in because, you know, fox hunt, fun for me, or pig hunt, because they think it's a pig hunt. And she goes, wait, <laughs> exactly. what's that up in a web? And first of all, the web says nothing. Well, it, it does say fox. It says fox, but it looks very bad. And, you know, you kind of have to be looking at it in the right direction. <laughs> and it's like three wet. It's three webs. Each of Charlotte's kids took one letter. That's about all they can manage. Uh, and they spun it instantaneously. Because... Harley got caught yeah. about 10 seconds ago. And they're like, Fox. I'm, uh, oh! And they look down and directly beneath the web is a fox suspended in the vine trap. They're like, it must be this fox. Like, and Fern is like, that is definitely not a wild hog. That's my pig. You're all idiots. And cleans Wilbur up. And yeah. And what happens to Farley? I don't think that's ever addressed. No, they're just like, ah, the fox. Anyway, you know, he probably ends up as like a nice little stole for Mrs. Hirsch or something, but it's never mentioned. Sheared him. Sheared him. Um, <laughs> and yeah, they don't address what happens to Farley the Fox. Um, but they all start cleaning him up. Arania's is like, wow, I finally caught something. A fox. Oh, okay, Arania, if that's your journey. I don't know how you yeah. suddenly spin <laughs> a web now, <laughs> but g- good job, girlfriend. You tried. Um, and so now Zuckerman's like, wow, the lamb and the pig really did miss each other. I promise I'll let them visit from now on. I'm like, cool. Zuckerman uh-huh. has feelings. This is new. Yeah. Um, so they get back to the farm and Cardigan and Wilbur are eating slops. And they're like, I'm so hungry I could eat a horse. And the horse is like, <laughs> I'm offended by that. And they're like, well, you know, Wilbur, he used to be as cowardly as a chicken. And then a chicken's like, <laughs> I take offense at that. I'm like, okay, so just like flushing out the last of your animal puns in the last 10 seconds. Right. And they're like, yeah. They actually, and yeah. And they already actually had somebody say, don't have a cow to a cow. So just, it, <laughs> the animal puns before. We have exhausted greater. every possible animal pun in this stupid 75 minute movie. He's dropping up quick. All of them, all of them, all of them. Um, <laughs> and so. They were like, yeah, Wilbur was so brave. It's not the Wilbur you know at all. Okay, his entire journey is that he's now brave and he killed a fox. Or fought a fox. Caught a fox. He did something to a fox. He foxed up. Um, And (laughs) but then he's like, oh, no, I wish I'd never come home at all because now I have to watch Templeton's kids. And 
Yeah, wow, wow, wow. To end the movie, and they pan up from that. Sh- yeah, they pan up from that shot. You know, wide shot of the landscape, and there's like a flock of geese that are flying, but they're just kind of flapping. In and they place. don't move. Like their wings are moving, but they do not move at all within the frame yeah. of the movie. They do not. They're just levitating there. It's yeah. It's caught it's in a like spider web. Horrible, <gasps> basic. Yeah. Horrible basic animation mistake, and that's the last shot that Charlotte's Web 2 leaves you with. the shot they chose to end the movie, which I just feel is indicative of about how much they cared about this movie. So, all in all, pretty good summing up. (laughs) I'm glad that was relatively painful and quick, because this movie, it does clip along at a a nice 75 minutes, and that includes... uh, credits at the end so it's it's really just a flat hour it's a pretty quick watch but it feels so much longer mm-hmm. um so it does uh, it just makes me so angry because so much of what i liked about the original is that it was genuine and it was sweet and it was honest about like what it's like to be a f- an animal on a farm and like life ends and this one is just like <laughs> animal adventures right. like it, it just threw it all out the window and slapped yeah. charlotte on it and that just, those are my least favorite kind of yeah. sequels. Exactly. I mean, it's basically, you know, chucked out ev- everything that everybody loves about the animated, fi- the original animated film and the book. And it just gives us like this dopey, you know, basically let's go off and have an adventure and learn something theoretically thing. And it's, it's very sad. And obviously the writing is bad. The songs are forgettable. The animation is awful. Yeah. It's, there's so many unnecessarily yeah. like, oh, my character flaws that I can't blah. And then none of them are solved or resolved in any way, which is just so frustrating. No. Like, why did Bessie have to have sour milk? Why could Arania not spin a web? Why? Could, like, it doesn't make any sense. Why is Templeton not able to deal with it? It doesn't. Kids? And it just... It doesn't make sense. And then there's no conclusion to it, which just makes you feel like were things cut in editing? Did you realize that some things were a mistake? <laughs> Did you just need it for filler? And then we're like, well, there's no point in resolving it because we just put it in for filler. It's just frustrating. And there, I don't know if there is a good way to do a Charlotte's Web sequel. There are some where I'm like, if you put in a tiny bit of effort, this could have been a cute movie. And I just feel like this is just worthless cash right. grab t- t- territory. It's just bad. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I think, you know, there's the one thread of, you know, potential this movie has is where Wilbur fears, you know, what happens to me now that Charlotte is gone. You know, that's something that could be explored, you know, in a vaguely interesting way. But, you know, it's something that they just use for a stupid hallucination sequence and is completely forgotten. So... As soon as he wakes up from that nightmare, the fear is alleviated and not brought up again. And I mean, okay, just, it uh, makes me so mad. It's so funny because these movies make me so mad. So I decided to make a podcast about them. I don't, I'm, I'm, (laughs) I'm a masochist. Um, So just to wrap it up, uh, do you have a favorite quote from the original that you would like to share? Um... Oh, geez, I would have to think about it. Um, I think it would have to be the last line, um, and I'm going to paraphrase this, I'm sorry, but it's not often that someone is a good friend and a good writer. Charlotte was both. It's not often that someone comes along who is a true and friend a good writer. and a good writer. Charlotte was, Charlotte both. was both. 
It's like, God, how has every Tumblr author not put that up on their post already? Like, good author. Good, yeah. Good author. Good friend. 23. He, he, him, whatever. Yeah, um, <laughs> and then I think uh, my favorite would have to be uh, just Paul Lynn being like, there the well, Charlotte, you old schemer. Like, I don't know why, but just like in my brain, <laughs> I, like as a seven-year-old, I could hear like yeah. Paul Lynn's voice. Bye bye, my humble. Bye bye, my humble Wilbur. Fare well, Charlotte. Fare well, Charlotte. Schemer. This will be a night to remember. And I have to say, in the sequel, the only like quote worth remembering or, or worth mocking is like, what are we gonna do? Die horribly. Or <laughs> maybe a line from exactly. one of the songs. Like there's there's not even a quote that sticks in your brain long enough for it to be funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah that is Charlotte's Web 2. So uh where can people find you if they would like to hear more of your thoughts on uh slightly better musicals? <laughs> <laughs> Most of them are terrible, but I do uh few different uh couple series on better musicals but uh musical hell is on youtube uh, musicalhell.com i'm on twitter and tumblr and facebook and i've got a patreon so look me up all of them follow all of them support all of them uh you can find us at stupid sequels or stupid sequels um podcast on you know on discord which is where we're recording this episode hey guys did you know you can listen to us record episodes live i know um <laughs> you you never will because it's too complicated to get in here but you could if you wanted to um you can follow us on twitter on tumblr and we also have a patreon where you can uh get some bonus episodes of little things that don't quite fit what we do there is a love never dies review in there guys it's worth the money it really oh my is. god do you know how horrible i am I have seen Love Never Dies in theaters three times. I'm a monster. Why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> I saw it twice in the same weekend once. <laughs> I like. I realize it's terrible. You, you are a masochist. I realize it's horrible and it's stupid and it just spits in the face of Gaston Leroux and stomps in it. And I love it so much. It's like the worst fan fiction I ever wrote in seventh grade, written to life and scored <laughs> by Andrew Lloyd Webber. It just makes me so happy. I think we... I think a lot of people had that dream in like seventh oh grade. Oh my god, so it's like the epilogue to Harry Potter. It's that. so terrible. Oh my god, and no, I love it. Um, but yes, me and uh, two guests from our previous episodes, so we reviewed it for this podcast. So if you go to our Patreon, you can hear what we think about it. That was a brief preview. <laughs> um, but uh, thank you so so much for doing this recording with all of the technical difficulties well, that came with. <laughs> Um, and I hope you guys all check out her stuff. She is amazing. And I will see you all next month. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Stupid Sequels podcast. Please subscribe and review so everyone can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Twitter at Stupid Sequels 2 or email us at stupidsequelspodcast at gmail.com. Every episode is made possible by our sound engineer, Francis Cod. Our logo was designed by Nicole Wiseman at Wyshots. And you can find me online at Callie Blair on Twitter and pretty much everywhere else. And remember, even though these movies are stupid, deep down, we really love them.